Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about empowering each of us with the perspective and tools to grow and change. Now today marks a bit of a milestone for us. This is our 50th podcast. And in the prior 49 episodes, we've covered a lot of ground from belief windows to your strategy for life, from perspective to proximity. And we hope that our work here helps you there with a bit of encouragement, a little more understanding, and gives you a lift in your life each week. So today, wherever you're listening to this podcast, I hope that you'll get a new perspective of how you can think and live better. Now, if you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to get our message out. Just use the share button on your podcast app and send it with a message like, I thought you might enjoy this. It just might be what your friend needs to hear today. And that would help us in our effort as well. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about staying in your lane in life. Now, if you get to choose where to spend your childhood, Clearwater, Florida is a pretty good choice. Beaches with sugary white sand and crystal clear waters, spring baseball, great restaurants, and an upper-middle-class diverse population all make for a great place to live. Sarah was born and grew up in Clearwater and attended Clearwater High School. There at the home of the Tornadoes, she spent her days as a typical teenager. Well, after graduation, she was off to Florida State University, where she became a Tri-Delta. What's the mission of Tri-Delta? To help women become the best version of themselves. Well, after graduation, Sarah wasn't sure what version of her life she was living. Sarah had taken the LSAT, hoping to go to law school like her father, but her scores on the admission test weren't high enough. So instead, she accepted a job at Disney World in Orlando. But that job was rather short-lived. You see, she wasn't sure what she was supposed to do. What was her lane to travel in life? Then she found a job with a company called Danka and started selling fax machines door-to-door. Now, it wasn't all roses, and it wasn't uncommon for her to be escorted out of apartment buildings for trespassing. On one particular bad day, she thought to herself, I'm starring in the wrong movie. She thought, call the director, call the producer, because this is not what my life is supposed to be like. She said on that rather bad day, she went home dejected from her attempts to sell fax machines door to door, and she started to write in her notebook what her strengths were. And this was particularly tough, because the only strength that she was sure about was that she was a good salesperson. And as she thought about this more and more, she wrote in the notebook, I want to invent a product that I can sell to millions of people. But she had no idea how to make that happen. You know, I think we've all had days like Sarah. I know I have. Days when you think you know what you're meant to do in life. I mean, you think you know the lane to run in. But difficult days when you look around and wonder, is this really the right lane? Like Sarah, am I really a salesperson? Because selling fax machines sure doesn't feel good all the time. Even though you might be good at it, it doesn't necessarily feel good. I mean, I get it. No job is ever fun. Even if you're in your lane, doing what you were meant to do, it's tough not to question whether other lanes 
are better or more worth it. Well, Sarah stayed in her lane. She was a talented salesperson and was soon promoted to sales trainer for her company. But she had a dress code, and that code required that she wear pantyhose in the hot Florida sun. And she hated the seamed feet look of the pantyhose in open-toed shoes. But she liked the controlled top, which helped her body look firmer. So she tried cutting off the feet of the pantyhose when wearing pants, but the hose rolled awkwardly up her leg. But the more she experimented, the better her concept became. A lightweight garment to help control those trouble areas and help you look streamlined and slim. Finally, at age 27, she moved to Atlanta with her fax machine selling job. And while there, she spent her savings developing the type of hose she wanted to wear. She kept working and stayed in her lane. Now, with her idea and prototype in hand, she drove to North Carolina one day to visit with several hosiery mills and present her idea. All of them rejected her. But interestingly, two weeks later, she got a phone call. And one mill operator had shared Sarah's idea with his three daughters, and they loved it. So Sarah kept going. For the next year, Sarah and this mill owner worked together on a prototype. And she drove most weekends to North Carolina to do the work. She spent $750 on patents and $150 to secure the URL for her website. And she stayed in her lane in her full-time job, learning, listening, and developing as a salesperson and a leader. Then she was faced with finding a name for her product. She thought and brainstormed. And she recognized that some of the most recognizable brand names in the world had a K, a cuss sound to them. Nike, Kodak, Coca-Cola. Remembering research that comics had got more laughs with K-sounding words, she kept her eye out for K-words for the brand name of her product. And just by chance, later that same day, she heard the word spank. It had a K. It was only one syllable. It was kind of catchy. So she changed the spelling from spank, S-P-A-N-K, to spanks, S-P-A-N-X. Now, because she had honed her sales skills over the years, she somehow got a meeting with reps from Neiman Marcus. And being a great salesperson, she knew she needed to connect with the buyer. And as part of her presentation, she modeled her product for the buyer to prove her innovation. Soon, her product was in several Neiman Marcus stores. All the while, Sarah continued her sales job with Donka fax machines. Now, because Sarah knew sales, staying in her lane, she thought to herself, how could I get the attention of the public? So she put together a product basket and sent it to the Oprah Winfrey Show with a card explaining what she was trying to do. Well, not long after, Oprah named Sarah's Spanx product one of Oprah's favorite things and sales took off. Finally, after years of staying in her lane, Sarah resigned her position with Donka, and in that year, Spanx, spelled with an X on the end, reached $4 million in sales, then $10 million in her second year. The following year, Sarah, as a salesperson, was thinking how to sell more of her product and signed a contract with QVC, the home shopping channel. And well, the rest is history. Ten years later, Sarah Blakely landed on the cover of Forbes magazine, for being the youngest self-made female billionaire 
in the world. Now, here's what I love about Sarah's story. Throughout her ideation of the product, though working with her apparel manufacturer on prototypes, and through her first years in growing her company, Sarah stayed in her lane. She continued to work as a salesperson. She grew and developed her sales and leadership skills. And it was these skills that got her the Neiman Marcus account, sent the product to Oprah, and landed on QVC. Now, I suspect there have been a lot of people who have developed a new type of innovative apparel who never sold their idea to anyone. Why? Because they didn't have the skills to sell the product. But Sarah, the consummate salesperson, learned over the years at Donka how to sell. And she stuck to what she did best, even after her brand was launched. For example, while staying in her lane, learning and listening, she learned in sales that relating to the customer was essential. So she wanted to show vulnerability and trust in the product. So, in her words, she used her own butt in the before and after pictures. She wanted her customers to see her as one of them. She connected with her customers, and that increased word of mouth even more. You see, too often in life, we don't stay in our lane. We think things are better doing what someone else is doing or want to shift strategy because things are temporarily hard or something else seems a little more inviting. It's just like when you're driving a car in rush hour traffic. I mean, it's easy to get so uptight about the traffic jam in your own lane that you fixate your attention on the lane next to you because it's moving faster than yours. So soon you change lanes. And it almost always seems that as soon as you change lanes, you find your previous lane, the one you just moved from, is now moving faster. All the while you've spent your energy and emotion changing lanes, fretting about your speed or the pace in your lane and a host of other things. When you stay in your lane, you can do what Sarah did. Learn, listen, prepare, innovate, be inspired. And all the while learning to be a great salesperson. And that learning and growing and maturing is exactly what will help you speed up and reach your goals. Now, I know some of you on this podcast recently started a business or made a career move or are attempting to recommit to a role in your life. And it's easy when you started down that path and things slow down somewhat to think you should jump ship or make a major shift to chase after something newer that on the outside seems easier. But here's what I've learned. When you give yourself fully to something, to some good endeavor, over time, you'll develop skills that you didn't have and you'll get perspective of things you couldn't see and you'll meet people you didn't know and these things begin to shape and send you down life's path at greater speed. For example, when you give yourself to becoming a great writer, you wonder if it will ever pay dividends. But soon you realize your writing is affecting all your communication in life. Your broader vocabulary is creating new ways of thinking and that leads to new interests and new things. And you're more engaging with and interesting to people. You see, when you give yourself to your cause, to your business, you develop skills and meet people that can likely change the course of your life. And on it goes. This goes for almost anything in life. 
when we give ourselves to something and stay in our lane for a while, we discover serendipitous outcomes. Now, the definition of serendipity is finding valuable or agreeable things not initially sought for. Serendipity is not luck. It's born from seeds planted when you focus on and give yourself to your chosen endeavor. Now, staying in your lane includes staying on the highway itself. For any of us, once we've set a goal or started down a certain path, it's easy to let detours take you off your goal. When you get tired and weary driving in your lane, it's easy to want to take an off-ramp and rest. We all do this. We see the McDonald's sign on the road, so to speak, and we want to get off for large fries and a Coke. Or we take the sign that says rest area, literally, exit off the road and never really find our way back to our lane or our calling. Now, you may have recently started a business and gotten frustrated and think you need a rest. Sometimes those rests can last for years, waiting to get your mojo and drive back. But when you stay in it, when you stay in your lane, when you keep driving, the next serendipitous thing is likely to happen. And if you take the off-ramp, it costs you more than you think. Years ago, I was traveling frequently internationally, and I had flown home from China, landed in the U.S., but I had a connecting flight to my hometown. The layover for the connecting flight was four hours. Now, I could drive home in three hours, and I thought to myself, I could grab a rental car and be home in no time. But the wise part of me said, you've been flying all night, McKay, you're jet lagged and used to a different time zone, and you could fall asleep driving, so be safe and fly. But I chose to change my travel plans, jumped in the rental car and headed home. For the first hour of driving, I was fine. But soon, the fatigue of my travel caught up to me, and it came on suddenly. I fell asleep. I was driving down the freeway at 80 miles an hour one minute, and the next minute, I opened my eyes. I had fallen soundly asleep, and I didn't know how long I had been asleep. When I woke up, I realized I was three-quarters of the way down an exit ramp off the freeway. My car had veered off the road with the cruise control on, and luckily, I veered off the road at exactly the time my driverless car approached an exit ramp. And my car veered at the exact right angle, and I had traveled safely down that exit ramp. Well, I slammed on the brakes, shaking. I got out of the car and walked around in the dark, cool night air trying to wake up. And not long down the road, I pulled over to sleep. I slept for four hours in the car. And I arrived home three hours later than I would have if I had just stuck to my original travel plans and flew home. So, stay on the flight. Stay in school. Keep after that degree, even though you just got a C in your statistics class. Stay with your job of choice a little longer. Give your full commitment to your relationship, even though things aren't perfect. Stay in your lane. And here's the thing. It's easy, isn't it, to get impatient with the pace of progress. But there is depth in anything you give yourself to fully. You may have been married 25 years, but there's still more to learn in that relationship, more to learn from your spouse, and more to lean into, and more to give so you can learn new things. A few years ago, one of the most celebrated players in NBA history did something you rarely see of elite athletes nowadays. 
Dirk Nowinski, the center for the Dallas Mavericks, took a pay cut to stay with his team. After years as a superstar, he was a free agent, and he could have signed with any team in the NBA. He could have made millions of dollars more, but he signed a two-year contract at a fraction of what he was paid previously so he could stay with his team and help his team afford new young players. Now, this is a stark contrast to the Kyrie Irvings and Russell Westbrooks of the NBA who seem concerned about one thing, themselves, and, well, maybe their pocketbooks. In contrast, Dirk stayed loyal to more than money. You see, Dirk grew up in Germany, and his parents and sister were all professional athletes. He was super tall at a young age, and he was a star early in his life. In the 1998 NBA draft, he was the seventh pick by Milwaukee, who quickly traded him to Dallas. A few years later, he signed a lucrative long-term contract, and he had a lot of personal success. He was an NBA MVP, for example, in 2007. Well, in 2009, he could have signed a bigger deal elsewhere, but signed a four-year deal to stay in Dallas. Again, in 2014, he was offered huge contracts with the Lakers and Houston Rockets, deals worth $100 million. But instead, he signed a three-year deal for $25 million to stay in Dallas, again, foregoing larger money he could have earned elsewhere and helping his team afford other players. So again, no wonder in 2017 he did the same. This time for very little money, but the chance to stay with his team. Today, although he doesn't play anymore, he still works for the Mavericks. He doesn't need to work. He has all the money he needs, but he feels a duty to help them win. Now, basketball experts estimate that his loyalty to Dallas cost him a lot. They say he could have earned $200 million more if he had left the Mavericks when he had the chance. There is great reward in loyalty. When you're loyal, you stay in your lane. And like you, I've had times in my life in which I've had to decide, will I be loyal? Loyal to people, beliefs, my stated values, family, employer, and maybe to my ideals. And I've always been grateful when I remained loyal, that I remained in my lane. I stayed in my lane. Now, I worked for a company for many years with amazing values about loyalty. Many times we had to choose among suppliers, and some offered a lower, a better price. But we chose those who had been supplying products for many years. We stayed with them out of loyalty, even though they were not always the lowest price. And we also made decisions in favor of our customers because they were loyal to us. We stayed in our lane with that loyalty and it blessed our business. So what about you? In your life right now, are you tempted to change lanes? Are you committed to your current cause, your goals, and business? Are you going to stay in your lane? Now, you may be asking, McKay, aren't there times in which you have to make a break with something or someone? And the answer is yes. So how do you know? How do you know when the time is right? Well, that is the topic of a future podcast, but the short answer might be after you've been in your lane for a while, after you've given yourself time like Sarah Blakely to really know and prove and learn what you need to know, prove and learn. In fact, Sarah just sold a large portion of Spanx. 
but that was only after leading the company for years and years. Now, while we're talking about the lane of loyalty, when you're loyal, you gain something far more valuable than just about anything, character, honor, and confidence in who you are and what you're doing. Be true to those who deserve your loyalty. You know, the great educator Carl G. Mazur once wrote, I've been asked what I mean by word of honor or loyalty. I will tell you, place me behind prison walls, walls of stone ever so high, ever so thick, reaching ever so far into the ground, and there's a possibility that in some way or another, I may be able to, or I will try to, escape. But stand me on that floor and draw a chalk line around me and have me give my word never to cross it, Will I get out of the circle? No, never. I'd die first. So stay true to you. Be loyal. And you'll find more than you were looking for to begin with. Now, staying in your lane is more than being focused or committed or loyal. It also means you give yourself to what you were called to do. That's right, to what you were called to do. You see, sometimes we leave our lane because we don't see it as something we were meant to do or a place we're meant to be. Or even if we do see it as our calling, maybe we're afraid or unwilling to do the hard things that are necessary to stay in that lane. Now, if you dropped into Sunday school lately, you may have been reminded of the story of Jonah. And before I tell you that, there's this famous scripture in Romans that says, God's gifts and call are without repentance. Or stated differently, God's call to you in life is not by mistake. And I believe, I believe for a long time, that we, all of us, if we're trying to do our best, are called to be in a lane, if you will, given certain gifts and a purpose to do particular things in this season in our life. And I believe that call to you is not by mistake. These calls can be large or small, important to the world or not, but they are calls nonetheless. And perhaps your call is to care for an aging parent. It's not by mistake that you're called. Perhaps it's to build a team in a business. It's not by mistake. Perhaps it's to get that degree. There's a reason for that call. And even if you accept and believe that calling, it's easy to not want to follow that call when things get tough. And this is what happened to Jonah. God gave him a call to go to a city called Nineveh and take a message to the people that wasn't all that popular. Jonah didn't give in to that call. In fact, he went a different direction. You know the story. While Jonah was going in the opposite direction of Nineveh, he was traveling in a boat, ended up in the water, and was swallowed by a great fish, a whale. After three days in the belly of the whale, the whale spat him out on the seashore. Once again, Jonah was called. But this time, he stayed in his lane, went to Nineveh in the right way, doing the right thing, and the people were saved by his efforts. So whether you go to Sunday school or not, there's value in this story. Stay in the lane of your calling. It's where you grow and do good and help people. And when you don't, you might not spend days in the belly of a whale, but you might waste time and emotional effort and have needless stress in the process. When you know you're living in your calling, in your lane, you can persevere and travel better. 
Now, I have a daughter who majored in education and got her teaching certificate. All along in college, she wondered if this was really her lane. Is this really her call in life? And she wanted to change majors several times. But she didn't. She stayed in her lane. Now, years later, she has an autistic son. And all that training of how to be an educator is being put to use in really important ways in his life. Now, the same goes for you. Who knows if the skills you're developing right now in learning to approach people or build a team or coach a friend or organize your day or be a patient parent won't turn for your good if you just stay in your lane. Now, forgive me one more scripture, but this one sentence from the Apostle Paul teaches us more than just about any other message that you can find. He says to the Roman saints, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. If you have the sense that you've been called, even if you're struggling, don't give up your confidence. You're in the right lane. You're doing the right thing. And you will find what you're looking for if you'll just keep your confidence about you a little longer. Now, what are the things in life that pull us out of our lane? Pain, pride, impatience. Many of you know more about pain than others. You've lost a spouse or a reputation or even feel like you've lost yourself from time to time. And in this condition, it's easy to leave your lane when you feel like there's nothing there for you. Pride takes us out of our lane. We want more attention or we want to be like other people or we think if we change lanes, we'd have what they have. Sometimes that's true. But I found that you often have more in your lane in what you're doing than you think you do. Jules Pfeiffer wrote this rather pertinent story. Ever since I was a little kid, I didn't want to be me. I wanted to be Billy Whittleton. And Billy Whittleton didn't even like me. But I walked like he walked. I talked like he talked. I signed up for the high school he signed up for, which was when Billy Whittleton changed. He began to hang around Herbie Vandeman. He walked like Herbie Vandeman. He talked like Herbie Vandeman. He mixed me up. So I began to walk and talk like Billy Whittleton, walking and talking like Herbie Vandelman. And then it dawned on me that Herbie Vandelman walked and talked like Joey Haverlin. And Joey Haverlin walked and talked like Corky Sabinson. So here I am walking and talking like Billy Whittleton's imitation of Herbie Vandelman's version of Joey Haverlin, trying to walk and talk like Corky Sabinson. And who do you think Corky Sabinson is always walking and talking like? Of all the people, dopey Kenny Wellington. And Kenny is the little pest who walks and talks like me. So, if you're thinking of changing lanes so you can be like others or garner attention to yourself, reconsider the fact that they may be looking at you, driving in your lane right now, wanting to be like you. Now, I'm sure you, like me, can remember the times in your life in which you let pride choose the lane for you. And if you're like me, rarely did those trips in life go well. It seems that when we're fixated on changing lanes so that we can be noticed or admired, we often lose the inspiration that makes us noticeable or admirable. And it is, in fact, the absence of pride that is remarkable or noticeable to others. You know, my wife and I have had a running joke for years when we're driving down the road. She's always wanted a motorhome and a boat. 
And early in our life, we were trying to save money to get out of debt, so we weren't able to buy a motorhome or a boat. And during those years, we would drive in our lane on the freeway and pass or be passed by families obviously headed off to the lake or on vacation with their campers and boats. They always seemed to have smiles on their faces and looked so happy. And I would say to Jen, look how happy they are. And it wasn't in an envious sort of way. Well, maybe a little. But we knew our money was going to our future. And we were sort of saying, we're okay staying in our lane, in our way of living, because we're focused on getting debt-free. Nowadays, whenever we pass a family with a boat or a camper, someone in the car says, hey, Dad, look how happy they are. It's still a joke because Jen still wants the motorhome and boat, and I always seem to have an excuse not to buy one. Now, whether you have a boat or not doesn't matter. And if you do, it probably does bring a lot of joy into your life. But the point is this. You may feel like the metaphoric car you're driving in your lane right now is boring or ugly or uninviting. And that's okay. Stick to your lane until the time is right to add a boat or a camper. And until then, smile because you're in your lane doing what you've been called to do. Now, the last aspect of staying in your lane is this. In a recent BBC News report, they reported on research done by Plymouth University. And the purpose of the research? To determine if we, by nature, are nosy. That's right, nosy. You know, sticking your nose into other people's business. Trying to stay in your lane while trying to drive someone else's car in their lane is being nosy. Here's what the research said. We are, by nature, nosy. We often want to direct not just our life, but the lives of other people as well. And social media hasn't helped. They report the average adult now spends one quarter of their awake hours on the internet and one quarter of their useful life. And guess what the most likely activity being done during those hours? Observing other people. Now, connecting with others and being interested and learning from them, all really good things. But some of the time we can get so caught up in what's happening in other people's life that we tend to focus on what they do or don't do or should do. You know, we get out of focus when their lives become your constant topic of conversation or obsession online or anything else that feels like you've jumped out of your car in your lane to drive their car as well. For example, I've seen employees or team members so caught up in their criticism of or focus on the boss's or team leader's behavior that they have little time for their own. I've seen spouses focus so much on the weaknesses or behavior of their spouse they can't think about their own actions objectively. It is easy to let this happen, and we've all done something similar in our life at one time or another. There is great peace when you resign from needing to drive someone else's car. It frees up think time and attention and space in your own mind and your own lane. Now, I've known people who are very good at staying in their lane in life. They just have this way about them. They're not worried about other people. They're not obsessed with what other people do wrong. They're just confident and observant and patient and comfortable with who they are. They're comfortable in their own skin. You know, I love the title to a book I recently perused. The title? It said, just when you're comfortable in your own skin, it starts to sag. And I thought to myself, when they chose the title, they must have seen a picture of me. 
but it takes work to get comfortable in your own skin. So how do you resign from needing to drive someone else's car? Two ways. Tell yourself to resign, meaning make a mental resignation letter. Next time you're tempted to be nosy or out of your lane or critical of someone else or wanting to direct their life, say to yourself, I've resigned from that job. It really does work. Second, remember, every second you spend driving someone else's car is not spent driving yours. And you have a calling. You have a purpose in what you're doing in life. Keep your focus there. So, as we end today, remember Sarah. Stay in your lane. Let the skills you develop help you do what you were meant to do. In your lane is where you get inspired, improve, grow, and become more of you. Don't take the off-ramp or detours. No matter how much things are slowing down in your lane, stay in your lane. And remember, Dirk Nowinski, there is huge value in being loyal to others and loyal to your calling and to your values. You have likely been called to be where you are right now and doing what you're doing. So keep your confidence in your lane. And watch. You will find you can travel faster, make more progress, and feel better about who you are when you stay in your lane with confidence. Most of all, thanks for being here today. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend and join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.